<laughs> Podcasting is the medium of bullshitters bullshitting each other. You are listening to Priority, a podcast about choices, limitations, and getting stuff done. Priority is hosted by Katie Leibman and her brother, Max Leibman. That's me. Today's episode is entitled Citing a Manhole Cover. For complete show notes, including links to anything we discuss on the podcast today, visit us online at priority.fm slash 59. All right. Um, so last week, um, I guess two weeks ago now. So two weeks ago, when our last episode came out, um, I uh, when we were recording it at least, I told a story about a, a blogger, a mommy blogger, as they are called, um, because they are bloggers who also mommy, um, named uh, her, her pen name and the name of her website is Deuce, D-O-O-C-E. Um, but uh, I believe Heather Armstrong is her actual name. That's not going to be important to the listener, though, because the story didn't make the cut, which is kind of why I'm telling it. Um, so we were talking about parenting and the weird way that parenting advice becomes um, such a flashpoint for, for anger and, and vitriol and argument on the internet uh, and in life, but I was talking in particular on the internet. And I recounted the story I remembered uh, reading about 10 years ago um, about Deuce having somebody getting uh, get mad at her about something she wrote on her website, some some joke about her parenting or some actual parenting thing she was doing, and some reader getting so mad that they called Child Protective Services and, you know, like, authorities showed up at her house. Um, I remember very specifically reading a lengthy article, you know, recounting this. Um, again, around 10 years ago. I would have been reading it, like, the summer of 2007, um, this might have been something that happened then or happened a little bit before, you know, maybe even several years before. I have, I have no idea. I don't remember what brought me to the article. But I remember very specifically reading the article online and reading a few other pieces about it at the time. Um, however, when I was editing the show, uh, as, I, as I normally do, as I'm listening through for things that need to be changed for the edit, I'm also looking up online anything we made a reference to that I don't already have a link close at hand for. Uh, most of these end up being Wikipedia because I'm lazy, but in any event, um, I wanted to make sure I had, I had, you know, I backed myself up that I, I quoted some kind of source that matched the story I was recounting. Uh, however, last week, this process took a lot longer than usual because instead of just spending, you know, the usual, like, a minute or two or three for, for that link, I ended up spending about three and a half hours looking for anything resembling the story that I had told while we were recording. Um, I, I could not find, I could not find any mention of Deuce being involved in anything like this. I could find places where it, and not even that many of this, I found a few places where the commenters on an article, usually the commenters on an article about her or about her website, not even on her own site, where commenters made jokes about calling child protective services. Um, I could not find anything involving her and actual child protective services or authorities showing up at her house. Hmm. Um, worse, <laughs> this is where this is where I really start to hate myself and question everything. I couldn't find any version of this story happening to anyone. I hmm. could not find a single account of a mommy blogger getting a reader mad with a joke or or even even some some just tongue in cheek parenting stuff to the point where a reader called child protective services and someone showed up. 
Hmm. I could not, I couldn't find anything remotely resembling that. Um, particularly not from 10 years ago, but nothing close to it even since. And so I was thinking, what, what happened here? Um, it is definitely possible that I, I did read something like what I was thinking and it has disappeared down a memory hole. Um, here's the thing about the internet folks, spoiler alert, everything goes offline eventually. Um, I'm, I'm not one to like hoard digital information that I find because I think, I think most things in general will be easier to find in the future than they are today. Um, you know, over time stuff tends to replicate and end up in more places and have less commercial value attached to it that would make people put it behind some kind of wall. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, like sites go offline all the time in huge numbers, um, stuff disappears, news articles disappear, um, scholarly articles disappear, all kinds of stuff disappears off the net. So it is possible that this account and everyone who recounted it have just vanished, um, fallen below some critical threshold of, of Google juice to where I could find it in the first 10 pages of returns on dozens of different search term combinations. Um, but I wonder, is it, is it not more likely that I read some very different account or some very fanciful account or somebody joking about this happening? Um, and I just conflated that with, with something else I read and suddenly I've got a Oprah memory as Merlin would say. Um, so yeah, memory. Mm. So the person exists. The person does exist. Um, as near as I can tell, the internet still believes that there is a blog called Deuce and a blogger sometimes also called Deuce and a person behind the Deuceness called Heather Armstrong, mm -hmm. who is a blogger and a mommy and a mommy blogger. And has been for at least nine years. Uh, yes, longer than that even. And she is divorced. Um, I also found that out. And she got sued by a company that wanted to publish her book. Oh. Um, be for, for breach of contract. Oh, my. Yeah. Hmm. But, but as near as I can tell, services. nobody, yeah, no, no, no CPS called on, on Deuce. Mm. Um, so, um, and listeners, if you didn't recognize that story as I was telling it, it's because I cut it because I could not, you know, sometimes I leave something in when I can't find a source just because, you know, we're just, we're just two people talking. I sometimes will just let something slide if I really can't find a source, if I'm fairly certain of the veracity. But like this, I looked so hard and it was, <laughs> it was a known individual. Like I wasn't just saying like, you know, Jane Random Mommy Blogger. Um, you know, I wasn't doing my usual, I don't remember who this was, but mm -hmm. I, I seem to recall an article. Um, this was, you know, I named the person, I gave a time period, I re recounted the story. Yeah. Um, all of which apparently are false. Mm-hmm. But you thought you had it. I thought I had it. I thought I had it. And that's the freaky thing. I thought I had it clearly enough that I felt like just spewing it out there. And I was so confident that I would find it. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, sometimes sometimes I say something on here, like I'm saying something from a study and I go and look. And the study isn't quite what I remembered it being, you know. I have the experimental conditions slightly off or mm -hmm. the results are not quite as cut and dried as that. Um, right. You know, or, or I've got the source wrong. Um, we talked about a study that I've only read um, media accounts of, but I, I named the wrong magazine that I read a study in one time. Mm -hmm. um, and anybody who bothered to look at show notes that week would, would see that, in fact, you know, I said, I think what I said was Fast Company or Business 2.0. And it ended up being Psychology Today. Right. You know, 
But this is an article that, I mean, not only could I not find the article, which again is not surprising, but like that this whole event could happen, that this person could still be a known public figure and this whole event could have happened and just disappeared. Um, right. Is astonishing. So I'm pretty sure I, I somehow fabricated it. And that's why I didn't tell this story on mm-hmm. the final version of last week's show. So maybe it really was topical to the the parenting conversation because this speaks to your anxieties as a parent. You're so worried about this happening to yourself as a result of last week's episode that you created <laughs> a resource that might that exist in the future about you. Right. Well, here's the other thing, and this is this is where we'll get into that that trippy territory that usually goes only after the, the closing credits. But um, our not stoner stoner conversation. I'm pretty certain that I remember remembering this article before, you know, two weeks ago or whenever when we recorded. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this is not something. In fact, this is something I have I know for a fact. Well, I shouldn't even say that because who knows? Like that's why this is trippy. Like maybe I'm misremembering that I remembered it. I am relatively certain of the pot- potential fact <laughs> that I have mentioned this this event before to other people, like in conversation. Mm-hmm. You know, th- this, you know, we've got to be careful what you say online. This mommy blogger had child protective services called on them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so, yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. And I, you know, you're talking about the way that we talk about things on the show. Um, and I, I think I do this pretty well in my everyday life, too. I usually throw in the grain of salt just so that people know to take it. <laughs> um, you know, I'm, I'm prone to saying I think I read or I think someone told me about. Um, I tell people when I know that I'm just making the numbers up, you know, recounting mm-hmm. a study. Um, right. Because we know, we know from psychology that our, our brain does not remember strings of, of language verbatim. We remember the general idea as we interpreted it. So mm-hmm. there are a lot of layers in there where not only are we misremembering things but we may not have logged the important information the correct way right 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 um yeah it's uh i mean we tend to think of memory as being a recording but it's it's really much more i think i mean from what i understand uh, and certainly the older i get like when i was younger it seemed more like a recording as i get older it seems more like this other thing and the older <laughs> i get the more it seems like it is it is more the story we tell ourselves mm-hmm. um and I, I mean, you'll you'll see this all over the place. You know, read any modern psychology textbook um, on the subject. Memory is much more more you know associative than um, oh, what's the word like uh, didactic, like that that the phenomenon of people like actually recording memories. There are people who do it, and there are definitely lots of people who do it about certain things. Um, you know, mathletes who who memorize thousands and thousands of digits of pi, for instance. Um, you know, that, that information is recorded. Um, they're not, they're not like associate. I mean, they might be using associative strategies to get that into memory, but they're recalling the exact digits. Like there's no question. Mm-hmm. You can check it against the computer. Um, but at the same time, like memories, like where the family vacation you took the summer that you were 10 years old, um, mm-hmm. the memories of that are more like a story you tell yourself mm-hmm. and a group of associations, various sights and sounds and events and words and smells and names, um, that 
you have linked together in your mind, many of which, I, I, if I had to guess, just based on, on the way my own recall seems to work, most of what probably constitutes those memories now is also probably not things that you actually saw or heard or smelled or, or you know, they're archetypes based on similar ones you have. Mm-hmm. You know, they're all linked together because, um, you know, your, your brain isn't a hard drive. You, know, you don't have un- untold terabytes of data to record high-resolution images and sounds of everything you've ever seen or, or heard mm-hmm. or felt. So it's all associative, and um, yeah, and and it's uh, the, that thing I said a moment ago about it being more like a story you tell yourself. Um, I'll link to this in show notes. Uh, this I do have at hand. Uh, uh, not a recent, but an episode of Roderick on the Line from about a year ago called Re-Rememory, um, where they, they talk about this phenomenon uh, as well. Um, I don't have any research on this at hand to link to, so I'll just link to them talking about it and pretend like that's research. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> on that, um, John Roderick and Merlin Mann discussed their understanding of, of the current understanding of memory is that every time you replay a memory, every time you access that memory, you also change it a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, you make new connections, um, which is good, but you also, you degrade certain things. Certain things get emphasized. Certain things get de-emphasized. And over time, that picture gets a little bit more distorted every time it comes back into to working memory. Um, so, yeah, over the course of 10 years, I don't know, I took a story about somebody posting a picture of their dog and it leading to, you know, the Humane Society getting called into, into Deuce having <laughs> Child Protective Services trying to take her kids away. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, so... Part of that makes me want to say we're doing the best with what we've got. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I wonder if some of this is, I, I like this topic. I'm, I'm glad you brought it up. And I wonder if this conversation sort of helps me make sense of why I like the work that I do. Um, you know, working with writing, um, working with research processes and writing processes and, and helping students and others develop these things. Um, you know, one of the, one of the reactions that people who teach English in particular get a lot is, uh, when you get introduced to someone or you're, or you're making small talk with someone and you disclose that you're an English teacher, probably the most common response from anyone, any context, any situation is, ooh, I better watch my grammar around you. (laughs) Or, ooh, I don't have the best grammar. Or, ooh, I don't talk right. I don't, you know, I, oh, I don't, I don't know about grammar. I don't know about any of this stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Which um, I think tells us a lot about the baggage people carry about their own educational experiences, for one. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I think it tells us a lot about that. Um, But it's kind of a bummer, too, because... It's very hard, in a, especially in chit-chat, you know, meeting someone in passing, especially if you're not going to see them again. It's really hard to unload your philosophies about why that response seems so off and how it, you know, you wish that things were a different way and yada, mm-hmm. yada, yada. That they yeah. just revealed something about the world and their response to your chit-chat. Yeah. Um, but one of the things I, I talk to students and others a lot about is that part of being a strong and versatile writer is not about knowing all the rules and knowing all the genre conventions. Um, Some of it is, right? Some of it comes with experience. Mm -hmm. I can churn out an almost perfect MLA work-cited citation entry 
for a journal article or a book, um, probably for a website too, um, from peer experience, you know, sort of like you're talking about uh, recording information. I've done those things so much. I've looked at so many examples. I've had to produce so many examples. I probably could do it just about right with the correct Mm -hmm. things italicized, the correct things in quotation marks, the punctuation in the right places. Mm -hmm. Um, Not because that's the important part of writing, but because experience. Um, Right. So one thing I'm trying to communicate a lot is that it's not about knowing all that stuff and having it stored in your brain It's about knowing how to use your resources and find it when you need it. All of it's external, you know, Mm -hmm. talking about technical things like, um, so I mentioned MLA, right? The Modern Language Association's Citation Style Guide. Um, Most major disciplines use one of the four or five major citation styles. Um, They're these giant tomes full of rules, right? Mm -hmm. To write well in those styles, you don't have to memorize those tomes. You have to be able to use the index of them. Go find <laughs> it, right? This stuff is external. It's there for a reason. Um, right. It is not some code to crack necessarily, you know? Yeah. I don't know. So I think well, a lot about I that. I mean, the other thing too is with something like that, like you will, the parts that are important, eventually you will probably remember them just because you're going to do them enough. Like you said, you know, by your experience, there are certain types of citations you can just do. Mm-hmm. And that kind of procedural memory, I mean, the way that comes is you, you do it enough and it'll, it'll show up. Um, that's, that's one thing that I think is, is very, um, in some ways it's very useful. In some ways it's, it's a little bit tragic, but like the thing, the thing about memories um is the, the stuff that, that will tend to probably stick is very often going to be the things that you get exposed to a lot. And that's going to be a useful heuristic for something like procedures. Like, you know, you're going to cite more books and, and articles and websites probably than any other given kind of source. So you're going to have that format down pat pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and when I was in, when I was in school as a psychology major, same thing, like, you know, it, it only took a couple classes before I had the, the, you know, the major kinds of sources that I was hitting again and again down pat, um, in APA style. Um, <laughs> but, uh, on the other hand, like, you know, what's going to be really, really helpful, uh, like you say, is not necessarily that it's going to be how to find something really quickly mm-hmm. in that index. Or it's going to be, um, you know, in your line of work, it, what what really might come in handy is the ability to instantly recognize not only for the few that you know, but for every other one, when is one out of out of sorts, you know, mm-hmm. it be, to being able to tell at a glance um, that a student's got it wrong. I don't yeah. know. Stuff like that. And you'll you'll get those. But, you know, some of those weirder formats, those those, you know, if somebody is citing an audio book or somebody is citing a. I don't know, a manhole cover, um, somebody <laughs> citing a photo on Pinterest. Um, actually, that would probably just be a website. Um, I don't know. I only use Pinterest through the app, so I don't really know how, the, know how the URLs are encoded. Yeah, some social media and some styles, you actually do have a separate style than a website, but mm-hmm. we're getting into the weeds. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, and but anyhow, I mean, so so like procedural stuff, you'll you'll get just through repetition, but, you know, I think about... I think about like one of the best jobs I ever had. I've mentioned on the podcast before, I used to work for Franklin Covey as a productivity consultant. And I can remember the idea of some really good days when I was working there. Hmm. But I can't I can't tell you anything about what happened on most of those days or where they fell in the course of the, the year and change that I worked there. 
mm-hmm. you know. Um, there are a few events and encounters that really stand out in my mind. There are a lot of like archetypal, like I can I can tell you stories about how I conducted that job because there were certain things I would do again and again and again. And I can tell you about those, but I couldn't recount any specific one um, that it happened. Yeah. You know, so procedural stuff like ends up getting getting locked in there. But, you know, like the, the best day of of my working life in 2005 and 2006, I couldn't tell you when it was or what happened that day or what made it good. Mm-hmm. Um, I couldn't even tell you what I did, you know, or why it was good. Um, but that would probably be more useful to me here, you know, knowing, knowing what makes a really good work day for me, um, is something that would still be valuable today. And I have my own version of that now, but you know, mm-hmm. knowing, knowing what it was then could be really valuable today in a way that like, you know, the procedural things I do. So I could still probably ring something up on their, their register system if they still had stores, you know, I could still probably recount the party line on any question that a, a participant had in a seminar, mm-hmm. um, but I couldn't. I couldn't tell you a story about anybody I met in those seminars. Hmm. That's interesting. I'm thinking too about how stuff like that sort of becomes an impressionist painting of our past, right? So mm-hmm. it's it's the general. Again, that's the gist of of all those experiences. It's not any one particular experience. Yeah, but, but maybe a type of experience. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I might, I might have that, you know, I don't know, that, that might just be me personally. I might have that worse than a lot of people for the last decade or so. Because another thing that, you know, that, that comes to mind when we're talking about memory is something I'm particularly bad at. And this might tie back into you, you know, being someone who writing is a big part of your work. I don't do a lot to record what happens in my life day to day, especially relative to a lot of the people around me. I do not take that many pictures or pose for that many pictures. Mm-hmm. Um, I take some. I keep some. I post a few here and there. But, I mean, compared to my wife, uh, compared to most of my family, compared to most people I know, um, and especially, like, context where everybody kind of expects to and where even I think this is a good idea. Like, when we go to, when we go to Disney World, I don't want to stop and take that many pictures. Um, and part of it is me just being, you know, me being my, my douchey fake Zen self, like, oh, I just want to be in the moment and enjoy this. Um, which is absolutely true, and that's often why I don't bother to stop and take a picture. Um, but it just, it just, it rarely strikes me as something I want to do. And I hardly ever look at those pictures when I do take them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if I were to take them and look back at them in the future, I think I'd have a better, you know, I'd still be reconstructing that event, but I think I'd have a better reconstruction. Right. Be- it's funny because you'd expect it to be the opposite. You'd expect that if you're the type of person who doesn't want to record stuff, it's because you're trying to be really intentional about the experience and the memory. Mm -hmm. But it sounds like you're saying that doesn't happen. No, because the memory is fleeting. And Mm -hmm. even if you don't think the memory is fleeting, the memory is fleeting. That's the other thing is like, you know, you can be totally sure about this. I was sure, I was certain that I had read that article about Deuce. Like there was no question in my mind Mm -hmm. that I had read that. Um, But I don't think I did. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, um, there's a there's a story. I mentioned that episode of Roderick on the line. There's a story that Merlin recounts um, about how, and it's an important story because in in his career arc, if anybody has has followed him, you know, through his various websites and podcasts, um, a lot of his 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 online presence for a long time was about his involvement in like the Apple community and, and being like a Mac power user and you know sharing tips and tricks involving uh, using using Macs, you know, versus using PCs. Um, 
And uh, so in in the course of, of doing that work, like as he does talks or, or has conversations with people, uh, he said a number of times he has recounted this, his origin story, like how he got into using a Mac instead of using a PC. Mm-hmm. And the story is he had this girlfriend in college who had this like really awesome word processor, um, which for those of you who are too young to remember would be like a typewriter with a little four line screen where you could you could type electronic documents and do not much else. It was kind of a not very useful computer, but you could type it up and make edits just like you could say in Word and then print it out from there without you know having to type and then use correctional fluid or throw your sheet away and start over. Um, so anyhow, his girlfriend had this nice word processor. You know, this is like the early '90s, I think, or late '80s. And uh, he was using that to do all his papers. And then late one semester, um, she broke up with him and he had to go find somewhere to type his paper and print it out. And he happened to wander into like the Mac lab on campus and, you know, just sort of fell in love with him. Um, And uh, as he says on the on the on that episode of Roderick on the Line, he had recounted this on a podcast at some point recently and then happened to be having lunch a a week or so later with this lady. You know, apparently they, they stayed in or got back in touch. But they were having lunch, and she said, yeah, I heard you talking about me on the show the other day. Uh, but just just one thing. You broke up with me. <laughs> and, you know, Merlin, like, it, it says he's, he's, he's told this story dozens or hundreds of times and always told it that way as far as he can remember. But all of a sudden, like, he smacked his forehead and said, you know what? Yeah, I did. Wow. <laughs> that was me. And in in the context of the story, it's not that important of a detail. Mm -hmm. Like, he had access to a word processor because he was in a relationship. The relationship ended. Then he had to find somewhere to type. He went to a Mac lab, Mm -hmm. liked the computers, and just stuck around. Um, You know, simple enough. But, like, that's a a fairly significant detail in terms of remembering your life. You know, who broke up with who? And I realize that can be a contested detail even in the moment when it's happening. (laughs) Um, you know, I don't want to say that's an easy thing to settle. In this case, though, it obviously was an easy thing to settle because as soon as she reminded him of that, you know, I am sure he had some kind of like M. Night Shyamalan flashback where it all all snapped into place. Mm -hmm. Um, And he was like, you know what? I did break up with her. I've been dead this whole time. Pretty much. Spoiler alert. (laughs) Yeah, I I just ruined signs. Mm -hmm. For any listeners who have me on Facebook, I, I spoiled the 1997 film Titanic recently. So just be careful if you're (laughs) combing back through. Yeah. 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 But, you know, to go back to your, um, your idea that, you know, all of this is the, is our, is our self narrated story of ourselves. That is all life is, um, you know, even each individual story is important for a reason that we tell ourselves. Right. So, Mm -hmm the story wasn't important about the breakup, right? No, it's, it's how did you stumble into this? And I mean, I think the, the, the crux of the story is like there was a need and he happened to walk into this one place. Mm-hmm. Like it was a story about happenstance as much as anything else, if I understood right. Mm-hmm. Um, although maybe I'm remembering that wrong. Maybe like the Mac lab was obviously the place to go. Maybe the, the point is that, you know, college campuses only had Macs mm-hmm. at the time. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Um, but I took it as being like the story's about happenstance. Like I had a need, I just happened to go to this place instead of that place, and the rest is history. Yeah. Um, you know, and that that part of the story he got right. Um, but again, if you can get something wrong, like who broke up with who, mm-hmm. um, whom whom broke up with whomever. Um, uh, now I'm getting nervous because I'm talking to to somebody who teaches English. <sighs> um, whomever broke up with who? Stupid system. 
<laughs> yes. Whomsoever mm. is worthy. One could say that whomever broke up with whom. Mm. Nope. This is getting bad. But yeah, that wasn't the important part. No. So, yeah, I think that's something I know I've been guilty of because having uh, a partner who's an extremely observant human being um, will catch me on it sometimes. I might retell a story uh, that Billy was privy to at a party or something. And later, if we're talking about the conversation in which I retold the story, he might point out, oh, by the way, that wasn't Max who said that. That was your mom. And it wasn't at that house. It was when we were out (laughs) doing this thing. Yeah. And I'll say, oh, yeah. But the important part was what they said was really funny. And then I said this really funny thing back, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, The important part was I told a captivating and charming story. Billy. (laughs) (laughs) Honey. No, just kidding. But it's good. It's it's extremely humbling to have somebody so observant in my life because I feel like because I'm thinking about narrative and I'm thinking about drawing out meaning. Again, that's part of my work. This is what I do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I fixate on the details that are important to me. And then, you know, I think my brain just does whatever it wants with the rest of it. Not to say I'm not responsible for my brain, obviously. Mm. Yeah. 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 Responsible for your brain's an interesting phrase. Cause it's like, I mean, all of us, we all, I think a lot of people think they have really good memories, um, mm-hmm. at least when they're young. Uh, and I, I mean, I know I did, although I was wrong. Um, <laughs> the times in my life before I had like compensatory systems for keeping track of where I should be when and what was due when and what I'd committed to to who, um, I was I was really kidding myself in a lot of ways, but you know there are people who do that better than I do. You know this is this is definitely individualistic, um, but it strikes me that like a lot of the way you know when people take responsibility for things like memory, a lot of the way we do it, like very few people are like I need to get better at remembering stuff. You know, people most people I know anyhow, I don't know anybody personally that I can think of that has ever done. Um, you know, with a possible exception, maybe somebody who has, has Alzheimer's or another condition has done this that I don't know about, I didn't hear about. But, like, you know, people, workaday people in the world that I see every day and interact with at work and in the store and everywhere, I, you know, acquaintances, friends, family members, I have never known anybody to do, say, memory exercises because they can't remember what to get when they go to the store. Mm. What we do when we take responsibility for our memory, interestingly enough, is almost always to do things to make sure we don't have to use it. Um hmm. So you make a list instead of remembering the five things you need to get at the store. You know, you write them down. You text them to yourself or in an older older era, you know, call your own voicemail. You know, we put things on calendars so we know when stuff is going on. Um, we take pictures so we don't have to remember exactly what something looked like or who was there mm-hmm. um, or what we were all wearing that night, you know. Um, like most of the ways we, we make home movies – um, most of the way that we get better at memory, you know, quote unquote, for most of the time, for most of us is not to use our memory. Um, yeah. so I think even those who say like, oh, I've got a great memory. Like if, if, if you never forget anything important or don't seem to, I would, I would ask yourself how much of that is because you, you habitually have just learned to do a bunch of those things. Um, you know, and if you do end up doing any of those things, like, you know. If your memory is so great, then why do you ever turn to those? 
you know, so, I, I, so, I wonder, like, somebody who, like, always remembers, like, the last 10 encounters they had with somebody and thinks they can recount the conversation they had exactly word for word back to that person. If you think your memory is that good, why can't you remember, you know, that three months from now you have a dentist appointment at 2 p.m. on Thursday? <laughs> but I wonder if some of what you're saying is that we're, we're talking about a slightly different concept or, or memory needs to be redefined. Well, I mean, there's there's different there's you know there's episodic memory versus procedural memory, and perspective remembering is definitely different than than recalling something in the past. But I'm just saying, like in in general, like everything we do, mm-hmm. um, I I don't think there's I mean in in pre literate societies, you know, supposedly that's why oral traditions arose. Yeah, you know, we had stories that were told over and over again, a rich oral tapestry of of you know religious ideas and historical ideas and how the world works ideas. And the reason it was an oral tradition is because that was that was a form of encoding. You know, you tell the story this way because that's how this information gets preserved. Um, but uh, you know, any anything outside of that though, it's it's really about getting everything outside of your head. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's. Yeah, so I, I don't even mean the psychological definitions. I mean this idea of externalizing our memory. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I still buy that. I, and maybe it's it's because this is what we so often talk about and it's systems I rely on too, but I, I see that as a, I don't know, a productive save of my memory. Yeah. Why would I, and you know, I, this, I, I, this is how I structure my courses. This is how I talk to my students about this stuff. I don't, I write down stuff about my courses so that it doesn't have to live in my brain. So Mm -hmm. it, (laughs) I think I've brought this up on the show before. It's sometimes infuriating to my students, but often my answer to their logistical questions is check the syllabus. I wrote it down there so I didn't have to remember. <laughs> right, right. And if I try right. to tell them something different, I often tell them the wrong thing. So I've stopped trying to remember. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, I don't know what day it's due. Go check the syllabus. Right. Yeah, totally. <laughs> the syllabus knows now. Yeah. Um, it's, it's interesting, like going back to the idea of procedural stuff and what you've, you've seen over and over again ends up being what sticks. I do find if I write something down, like if I've recorded an appointment somewhere, I do have a fair likelihood that it's going to pop back into my mind accurately later. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the stuff I write down, I do tend to remember better than the stuff that I don't. But still, the reason I'm writing it down is not to rehearse it, although that that seems to happen. It's to, you know, get it out of there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and same thing with a picture. Like, I don't, I don't ever take a picture because... I I think it's going to make me remember better, so I don't have to remember better, mm-hmm. you know, so I can look at it later. And, mm-hmm. of course, that's part of why I don't take pictures is, you know, I look at them later. I'm like, ah, oh, that's not really what it felt like. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe you just need to lower your expectations for 2D media. Yeah, that could be. That could yeah. be. Some of what you're getting at, I think... Has, so we've talked a little bit about intentionality, about remembering what we want to remember in the way we want to remember it, or not, and for and not doing that stuff at all, and it comes out poorly. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I'm thinking about how, especially today, but I think it's always been true in some ways, we have the ability to craft the version of our past we want to see and we want to remember. Mm. You know, I even thinking about things like scrapbooking, like traditional, you know, paper and stickers mm-hmm. and, and acid-free paste. Uh, I, I think you mean, I think you mean hoarding. <laughs> 
but it's so pretty. No, it's not hoarding, <laughs> but you would say that, wouldn't you? I would. You would. Um, that sounds but like anyhow, something people would like. Scrapbooking. Scrapbooking, right. So that's a very carefully crafted and and deliberate version of the past, right? You know, so taking mm-hmm. your photographs, taking your ticket stubs, your whatever, um, framing them in a particular way, literally and figuratively. I think that's something that we're even better at in the age of new media with our, you know, even the role that Google Calendar plays in my life. Sure. I was just doing some documentation at work today and I needed to pull up the dates of multiple events that have happened in the past eight months. I know I've got separate documentation of, of all those events, but I searched my Google Calendar mm-hmm. for the various things I would have logged them as. Yeah. And I found the dates all in one place, right? So mm-hmm. I remembered the month of all of them. I remembered the approximate time. And the search function got me there even faster than I, I would have otherwise. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, a lot of a lot of things become sort of accidental memory aids. I recently, um, somebody asked me about uh, if we were we were at or near the anniversary of um, someone passing away, um, and I went back to my email. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and searched through and and found the message that I sent to you know my my boss at the time saying, "Hey, I'm gonna need off. I, you know, such and such has passed away, and I need to go take care of some stuff." Um, mm-hmm. And and you know, yeah, it's it's kind of crazy how much stuff we just, you know, setting aside all the things we deliberately, you know, pictures you take and upload um, or things you write down in a journal or stuff like that. Like even setting that aside, just the amount of stuff you sort of just leave behind accidentally Yeah. in terms of, of you know, recordings of mm-hmm. what we do anymore. Um, the scrapbooking example is, is an interesting one because it's the kind of thing that like I've never, I don't remember ever not admiring people who could do it well. And by do it well, I don't mean go to Michael's and spend $400 and get like custom stamps and like little frilly things to put around the borders of the pages and all that. I mean, do it well in terms of like have a relatively tasteful design, but mainly, you know, have, have a relatively complete record of a life or an event or as whatever, mm-hmm. um, and be able to tell that story in relatively few photos and not have it be really obvious like, oh, you know, here's me in lots of pictures up until I'm three years old. Oh, and here I am 14, you know. Families who have like albums where they, they move at a certain reasonable pace and you see you get a real good flavor for life or at least the high points of that life. Um, you know, I don't know. I've, I've always kind of admired that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know in our own family, our mother, as each of us graduated from high school, put together fairly meticulous albums that, you know, were, were really pretty admirable. Um, I don't know how deliberate our parents were in terms of trying to document everything as we were growing up. I feel like I did post for a lot of pictures. I feel like I post for even more now. Um, again, welcome to the digital age. Uh... You know, but but that's that's always been very impressive to me. But at the same time, it's again, it's just an impulse I don't have. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I do have it, like I always, I, I routinely get into this. You know, I get a new phone that has a better camera on it, or I get access to a new app that's really easy to upload into and just does cool things with the photos. And you know, I'll get into it for like a day and then just forget. <laughs> Or I'll get into it for a week and be really excited and then, then start to get bummed about all the stuff that isn't in there and can never be in there because no one took a photo of it. Mm-hmm. You know, things like that. It's like, it, it's you know, in order to have all the ticket stubs from your entire, all the dates of your entire relationship, you have to have started that then. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. 
And there's there's something in me that rebels against it and says, you know, that's not going to be a complete record. I don't really want my life starting at 36. I want my life. Or I'll just keep just sort of living my life and not worry about it. Uh, so you're sort of toggling between it's too late anyway and no, I'm not into that. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I think my, oh, I just want to be in the moment and experience it might actually be a, a post hoc fabrication. You know what? I didn't, I didn't make up the article about Deuce to like rationalize my anxiety. It was... <laughs> this is this is my post hoc justification. I'm I'm recognizing that I'm bad at this and saying, you know what, sour grapes. I didn't really want that anyways. Mm, I'm I don't own it. though. That's that's the other thing. I don't like I and I will do it. Like any relatives who are listening, I will do it. I will do it with a big smile on. Don't be afraid to ask. I'm happy to do it because it's not for me. It's for you. But I hate stopping to take photos. <laughs> Mom's um, gonna kick your butt. Well, I just said I would do it because they're not for me. <laughs> They're not for me. They're for, you know what? They're for Owen. When he grows up, he's going to want to see. Oh, that's what dad looked like. Man, what a goofball. Yeah. Yeah. You have been listening to Priority. Once again, for complete show notes, or if you'd like to send us feedback via email or subscribe to the show, visit us on the web at priority.fm. If you enjoyed the program today, please go to iTunes and leave us a positive rating and review as that will help new listeners find the show. Also, if you're interested in getting updates or communicating with us via tweets, follow us on Twitter, where we are at PriorityFM. That's at P-R-I-O-R-I-T-Y-F-M. Thanks again for listening. Probably every time. Yeah. That's pretty much. Pretty much. Yeah. So that's fine for Max. Yeah, I suppose so. I suppose so. <sighs> um <laughs> Yeah. I don't know. I had a I had a David Allenism um that I think is relevant to some of this, which is your mind is for having or yeah, your mind is for having ideas, not holding them. Um mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's, your brain is there to, to do the important thinking. It's not to like remember and remind you of stuff all the time. Yeah. Um, and I don't know, things, things like this, things like, uh, the Merlin story about forgetting who broke up with who. I don't think that's just true for like, he's talking about your projects and your actions and your appointments, you know, get all that stuff out of your head. So you remember it at the right time when you can do something about it. Um, keep your brain freed up to think about other things. But I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of coming around to the idea that that's true of, of memory stuff too. Um, and that as much as I resist it and hate it, I might have it completely wrong. Like my being in the moment might not serve me. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe I am the guy who is relying too much on his memory for the good things that have happened in my life. Yeah. Could be. I guess you won't remember either way, so... Yeah, I don't know. Will I remember this episode tomorrow? You better, because you're going to edit it for us. <laughs> oh, brother, am I? <laughs> oh, sister. <laughs> mm. Well, I mean, that wasn't for you. That was just a, the expression. There's the notional brother. Yeah, but One... I feel like we should reciprocate in our figurative language. Oh, I see, I see, I see, I see. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I get it. Yeah, you're yep. not being gender normative. Nope. Just you you are some... subverting the dominant paradigm. <laughs> patriarchy
Yeah. See, you can't get mad at me for that one because those are not buzzwords from my world. Those are buzzwords from yours. No, it's fine. I just, <laughs> I wanted to do my, I don't even remember if we started this before the show, but talking about gender issues and it's just going to end with one or both of us shaking our fist and, and yelling at patriarchy. Hmm. Yeah. Um, I, because I some, patriarchy. Yeah. I had some idea for a meme for the show where I was going to like say, you know, fighting the patriarchy as like, you know, in any list of things you do, you know, she, she coaches speech, teaches English, fights the patriarchy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. Kind of goes without saying. All, all in today's work. 